I think there's quite a few people with us in the room now, so we're going to start. Welcome to the second forum meeting of the 154 Fair, which is currently being held in Paris. I'm Leila Hida, an artist and co-curator of this edition of the forum through our cultural venue, Le 18 in Marrakesh. For this edition, Le 18 was invited to organize and commission the meetings. We propose to do this uh, in collaboration with longtime contributors to our space. In line with the collaborative and collective way of doing things that increasingly defines our organization. We've decided to explore an issue that arises from the context in which we operate here in Morocco, but also elsewhere in other locations and contexts. This opens up different perspectives for thinking, doing, acting and building through collaboration, conversations, echoes and tension in harmony with a context, heritage and knowledge that precedes us. Crafting words and worlds for a vernacular economy of art is a proposal through which we question the ways we do things at a time when it seems crucial to refocus on what we are, what we do, and what we want to do with our societies based on our own specificities, what makes us socially, politically, economically, culturally, and symbolically unique. For this second meeting, I started with my own experience and photographic practice, which has evolved over the past few years. Since 2015, I've been carrying out research for an upcoming publication that brings together a large part of my photographic production over the last 10 years. In this work, I question my fundamental relationship with the medium, what photography allows me to portray between the lines, outside the frame, through what cannot be seen by exhuming a personal archive which is sometimes spontaneous and sometimes premeditated. In 2019, I became interested in family albums when I was involved in conducting a series of workshops over the course of a year with a group of women who frequent and collaborate with the Dabelash Foundation, which focuses on promoting living cultures and reactivating the traditions and intangible heritage of the Medina of Marrakesh. 11 women, 11 albums, 11 series of histories and a project that plunged us into the depths of our most intimate realms, joys, sorrows, the visible and the invisible. This project, which I called About Us, allowed me to ask a number of questions about value, function and representation in family albums. These are intimate and personal objects which may have been on display for some time and which go against the more formal foundations of photography and art. Their aesthetics are often poor and this really resonates with me personally. They're filled with what Bath calls the punctum, this point of tension or desire beyond which is visible to the eye. To accompany me in this conversation, I've invited two other women, uh, two artists and photographers, Carol Benita and Anne Delres, who's also cu the curator of a venue. 
Carol Minita is a Franco-Moroccan photographer whose work explores the notions of memory, family and the passage of time. Carol often asks handcrafted elements to old family photos such as embroidery, beadwork and ink drawings through which she strives to reinterpret her own story as a daughter, wife and mother. Her photo souvenir series that we'll discuss during our conversation is based on a family album of her own. She manipulates this working with needle and threads to create an imaginary album that deconstructs the myth of the ideal family. Carol Minita is represented in Marrakesh by Galerie 127. Andelrez is a photographer and since 2009 she's been collecting, interviewing and gathering testimonials focused on so-called family photographic archives. Very early on she introduced a reflection on the idea of poor imagery into her practice. Her discovery of a set of photographs of her great uncle and great aunt Charles and Gabrielle confirmed her interest in family photography and went on to inspire a book and an exhibition. The Conserverie is the venue she created in Metz, her city of origin. It's defined as the National Conservatory of the Family Album, a somewhat subversive name for a project which is surely just as much to transmit these precious images to the public through different forms of exhibitions, workshops and published books. The Conserverie now has a strong visual heritage of over 30,000 images and is recognized for its work on vernacular photography. First of all, before we start our conversation, Anne and Carol, I'd like to define what vernacular photography is. In doing my research, several definitions emerged. We could see these as functional and banal type of photography without artistic pretensions. Vernacular photography is a kind of amateur photography whose subject is everyday life, like family photos. But not only this, it's a utilitarian form of photography, like the photos in a newspaper or those used to illustrate advertisements. Its aim then is precise, but it lies outside the realm of what's been deemed most worthy of interest by the main bodies of cultural legitimation. It's developed on the periphery of what's referred to counts and carries weight within the artistic sphere, the other in art. This is a quotation by Clément Cheroux, a historian of photography and a curator. So the first question for Anne, do you agree with what Clément Chéreau says in terms of vernacular photography? Is this a kind of photography that poses a problem? Is it hard to give it a status because it belongs to everyone and everyone has their own album? Yes. I'd first like to thank you for your introduction, which was really interesting. Um, when I heard this quotation, I think it's a very interesting point of view. When he he's looked at family photographs and he's had an analytical um, way of, of seeing this, but also in terms of what it, it means for other people. 
I think this is important. It's uh, almost we could make the link with iconography here. Your question is hard, actually, as, as a beginning question. Um, I think I do agree, in a sense. I believe that uh, this kind of photography does indeed belong to people and people have their own thoughts about it. And this way of thinking might actually work at the same time as other perspectives. Perhaps uh, when we're looking from the outside, we might associate family photography with another kind of vocabulary. Um, we perhaps have a certain amount of distance when we're looking at it compared to those who are looking immediately at their own photos. Just to specify slightly more, I think when we look at the function of family photographs, we can perhaps see this as photographs that belong to an album, photographs that illustrate a specific function. It becomes, they become vernacular and at the time at which they become vernacular, perhaps they then take on another role. They're perhaps reused, reappropriated by, for example, artists or curators, individuals that are doing something else with these photographs. Do you feel that that uh, resonates with your own experience? Um, looking at this form of photography that's perhaps been denigrated in a certain sense. Yes, uh, I would. I'd love to be able to look at it in this way. I think perhaps in a way for me, it's it's more simple than that. Um, it's to do with recognition, I think. Uh, I can't always take the photographs as a whole body of work. I sometimes come across a single image that I have to just take in isolation. So I think there are two ways of looking at them. You can look at them as individual photographs. You can look at the relationship they have with other photographs that both in aesthetic terms and in other terms within an album. Yes, so I, I think uh, if I evoke the names of Charles and Gabrielle, this is uh, perhaps interesting for you because this was the start of your photographic adventure in this particular area, wasn't it? Yes, so Charles and Gabrielle were my great uncle and aunt. And this really was an inspiration for me when I found these photographs. We, we came across these photographs. My family was saying that we didn't necessarily need to keep them. We could get rid of them. But as an artist, I became very interested in them. So this was an inspiration to go into this particular line of photography. These were an interesting couple as well, Charles and Gabrielle, a couple that were, were in love, but who came across uh, some, some barriers and certain consequences. And it was interesting to try to sort of look at their story and the way in which the photographs told their story but had a certain universality to them um, it was very interesting for me to see this and to, and to think about uh, the, the, the context and the link to myself you know as part of my family um, culture the way we look at others etc and um, were some of the um, the themes that I wanted to explore with these particular photographs. I wanted to look at how photography could be used as a media to accompany emotion. It was a starting point for everything that I'm interested in now in terms of this type of photography. Um, so I talk a lot about this. 
That's perfect. That's a good transition on the use of photography. And let's move on to Carole. So Carole, you actually got your archive, or is that just a photo album? But I think you can clarify that later on. So Carole, you kind of manipulate this photography. And I actually would like to read one of the passages from one of your texts, because it's, uh, it's actually very beautiful and I've got questions. So in one of your texts, you did say, and you did write, that um, I choose photography is conveying something that I've already seen, something familiar, happy moments that come from tales from my ancestors. And this happiness is ritualized and conveys here this fam family myth. And this is about this dark matter that is related to the family. What do you mean by this dark matter? And what type of manipulation do you use on photography to use this dark matter to actually reinterpret your history. Hello, hello everyone. So when I started photography, I started to document my own family. I started to uh, kind of build an entire album. So, for example, I was documenting uh, illness when somebody, someone was sick or a child alone, basically pictures that would not be usually in your family album. And when I started really with these family photos, growing older, I realized that, of course, family is uh, your foundation. It's very important. And growing older, I realized that things are sometimes a lot more nuanced. It can sometimes be your foundation, but at the same time, it's also a limitation. In my own cultures, you can't really challenge tradition. You can't challenge family values. So I think it's very interesting to look at both sides. When I started to look into family photography, I think that looking at them, something else was coming up. I was like considering all the experience that I lived and also looking at the timeline between the moment when the sh this photo was taken and 40 years later when I started to use to manipulate these photos and I looked at what changed in the meantime and when I used embroidery for example it was really a way to give a different version of the story it was a way for me to be more fair I don't mind this dark matter. What bothers me is when we try to evacuate, to eliminate this dark matter. And I think it's more about giving a more accurate image of the family. Embroidery was really a way to heal, you know, stitch after stitch, you're going to build something. So then it doesn't belong to me afterwards. Once it's done, it's just like I'm just a piece of this whole story. Indeed, you have this very visual aspect in your work. Uh, you do have a whole um, embroidery work in uh, throughout your photos. But sometimes it's also like a way you're going to preserve your memory. That's what a family album is. And sometimes you select these moments 
of course, you act, of course, you want to show that you're happy. So how do you kind of contradict this, this lie, this lie in your autobiography? And actually, Anne, you used also this same idea in one of your projects. Well, for me, embroidery was really a way to reintegrate um, these photos and this history, just to change the way I'm going to phrase these ideas. I think very simple. When I started doing that work, it's very important because when I do embroidery, you have to stitch. It's one stitch at the time. It's actually almost violent because, first of all, through the, this medium, there is a needle. So it's a kind of a way that you accommodate things, you build things. And also, I want you to use this medium of the perfect, perfect woman with using like this embroidery, which is this image of this perfect uh, woman, which is also here showing a way that um, it's the way you can use it to have this dark matter reappear. And of course, the, the final, the outcome has to be seducing, has to be beautiful, but at the same time, it's kind of uh, also here challenging because you, I use red. Red is the color of uh, uh, blood, is the color of sexuality. So I think everything was selected in my work and the black, black is really um, a color I associate with anxiety. So all these colors have a meaning and I think it's very important. And I'm not trying really to tell the truth because here again, it's very sub subjective and uh, here it's really about having a fair picture of a family and actually being able to find your, your own place in this family. And for you, Anne, based here on these comments from Carole, so she's done a whole work on a very like uh, aesthetic way with embroidery, with stitching. I think there's, it's almost a ritual. I I'm interpreted that way. It's almost a healing ritual. It's almost like a therapy. I don't know, maybe I'm exaggerating here, Carole. But um, I also think that in your project and in La Conserverie, you use these same photographies coming from family albums, but you don't change them, right? You don't touch them, you don't manipulate them, and you don't select them either. So how do you work then with photographies and how do you try to give another picture of this family to contradict this lie of the ideal family? I don't think I'm trying to contradict this lie. I can come back to that if you'd like, but um, these photographies, when I select some for an exhibition, I'm going to uh, select a corpus of uh, pictures to illustrate an idea. I will select these photographies, but I'm just going to, you know, clean them and erase the time, really. Erase the time between uh, when the picture was taken and when I decided to use this picture. So it's just a technical gesture, really, just cleaning any dust from the pictures. And I am not here interested in what 
this picture means to me, what does it mean, but more on really the vision of the photographer at the time, and that's very important. And I think the photographer and, of course, the model in the photo, it's a kind of a link between both. So this selection, oh, a nice cat passing by. <laughs> so really, when it comes to selection, I think it's rather limited. And I do not select these photographies because it's also about being intellectually honest, just also to respect people uh, giving us these photographies. I think they give us these photos for different reasons. Most of the time, I would say that it's more related to their own, to their own history, to their own memory. And if you have photos that, uh, yes, have a meaning, have several, you know, layers of history. And when they arrived here, it just become images for me. And then we are going to activate some images by selecting them. And some other photos we'll never actually looked at. We're just going to uh, digitalize them and that's it. Whereas uh, some other photos will be used all the time, so activated all the time. So coming back to that lie, I think it's pretty obvious that it's a huge, um, you know, social lie. That's what photography is, but like that's what painting was. Because when you present something, is of course you do the best with what you have. Actually, before here, this Zoom, you know what I did? I actually wanted to do something with my hair to look pretty, right? And that's what it means being together. You know, you want to look beautiful. Or Handsome, that's the, that's the game. And here in photography, that means, of course, a lie. That means this dark matter, has, as Carol very well said. But I do not work on my own family. Here again, you know, these photographies are far away from me. So this lie, I find it very sweet, actually, because it's not my family, I lie. So I take everything, including lies, everything, I take it all. So I wonder, as a photographer, how can you actually stop, you know, taking pictures because that's really a question because for me, that's kind of challenging, isn't it, as a photographer? Because you've got this work at La Conserverie, you look at other people's photographies. So your own project as an artist is dedicated here to the La Conserverie and recovering these uh, photo albums and the uh, digitalization archiving of these photos. Is that easier? Is that easier to work on uh, photos that are not your photos? Is like, like a kind of distance between you, your emotions, and the content of these images? I would like it to be that way, exactly the way you describe, but that's not easy. For example, an exhibition that I prepared like uh, two days ago, so this is an exhibition called Light, a Kitchen and Landscape. It's a kind of a, like a list, it's a very cold title. 
However, I try to create this distance with this title, but actually, I also wanted to call it Mrs. Pomerg, I love you. And Mrs. Pomerg is actually, she's the lady who donated these photos. And because these photos like mean so much, they're just amazing photos. And of course, I couldn't call this exhibition that way. I'm not a historian, I'm just an artist. and I need to create this distance with my emotions. And that's how I did it, using this title, colder title. But I still don't fully understand why am I doing this project. And I understand that this is a lifetime project. I will continue to run my life to look at archives of other people's photographies. And um, I'm jealous of this family. I'm jealous of these families. Really, I am. But I understand uh, it's not easy. And I understand that uh, here, all these photos that I look through, like I have an example of a family here where this dad must have done like a thousands of photos of his kids. And I can totally imagine the kids being fed up with all this. But, you know, I envy them. I'm jealous. That is very interesting because I think we're not all equal towards photography and our own personal archives and uh, family photos. When I worked on uh, our project about us, I realized working with all these women that we had very different albums, very different stories. And through this project of the foundation, Dar Bellage, that was very interesting. And Carole, I have a question for you. You have a series called I Will Never Forget You. So how in this series of photos, how did you use these feelings? So there's something missing and you were kind of uh, looking, looking at your uh, grandparents and ancestors, and uh, you look at other photos, like uh, anonymous photos to recreate the story? Yes. I actually started to collect like uh, photos that I buy, you know, in uh, like secondhand shops and the charity uh, shops, and I'm very attracted to photos. I mean, I think it's, it's fascinating the way they trigger totally different feelings. It's completely different emotion. And I feel very emotional because we're talking about people who have a story, who have disappeared nowadays. They're like ghosts. And I think this is, uh, this is fascinating. And I've got boxes and boxes of these photos. And this is when I started to uh, work on this series of photos where I started to collect all these images going to my parents, my sisters. I actually realized that there was very few uh, photos of my parents before their wedding. And my parents were born in the 30s in Morocco. And of course, at that time, there was no water or electricity. So of course, no photography. That was quite normal. My grandma had a few photos, but for personal reasons, I didn't have access to these. So 
there was a kind of need really for this family memory. I think my parents moved a lot. There were very few photos. Um, I had a few of my maternal grandma, but not very many at all. So when I was looking at uh, different photos that I actually managed to find um, bit by bit, I kind of put together this lost memory. For me, this work was a process that I kind of needed to go through. Um, and I didn't recognize the individuals in the photographs, but it was something that I wanted to actually look at in terms of anonymity. I, I used gold leaf to actually mask all the faces. So the idea was to really portray these individuals as uh, anonymous people. This it was a, a work where I was sort of discovering how these memories were forged, but also taking away the individual in them. This allowed me to kind of put links together when it came to my own family history and sort of work on what I had in my mind as well and, and in my imagination to, to, to put together a history, to, to give it a new existence. The idea of actually uh, piercing through the paper with a needle and putting this gold leaf onto the, the photographs, the, the two are quite different um, ways of working, but I'd like to sort of ask you to compare those in terms of your artistic method. Well, I don't apply the same process systematically. I think a lot about exactly how I want to work on the photographs. It's a, it's a very conscious process for me. I I think about what I want to really interrogate when it comes to each photograph and what I feel is the best way of working on them. Uh, it's an experiment, really. You know, I, I try different uh, methods and see what works best in each context. Uh, it's a very evaluative process. Um, I'm looking at what actually speaks to me when it comes to each uh, body of work. I'd like to now go back to something that Carol said when she talked about intuition. Anne, I think you would maybe be able to say something on this as well. Um, it's an interesting idea. When we think about the Conservatory as a project, I find the name really interesting, actually. You call it the National Conservatory or, or, or archives almost of a family album or family albums. And it's an interesting name, I think, because it's not so much archiving, but it's uh, sort of showing these photos to the public and also reappropriating them and, and questioning them as an art form. Is that is that right? Yes, yes. Um, it's interesting to hear you say this. I thought it was something fairly amusing as well to sort of think about. Uh, the idea was to also question what 
It means to actually archive something, and the authority at stake here as well. How do we decide what is being kept or archived? What traces do we want to leave behind, and how do we retain these? I mean, we talk about documents and actually uh, archiving documents as a political choice. I think it is a, it is a political notion here, and I wanted to question this and think about this in relation to family albums. What do we keep also as families or as individuals in terms of our history? And how is this linked to what we keep as a national history? So when it comes to having national archives, do these have to be big things or can they be little things that belong to individuals? I think it is, a, it is right and proper to keep records of individual families and individual photographs like this. And how do you operate then within this uh, National Archive setup, if you like? Um, how does it work exactly? We talked about how many images do you now have? 30,000. Um, how does it work? How do you get these images? Do people donate them? What do you do when you receive them? How does it work? Yep, there are now 35,000, in fact, um, and I am the main individual working on this. It's pretty much my own project. So I put together exhibitions. I, um, I work individually as a, as a mediator. I'm not very good at communication, though. I'm not really a comms person, so I don't really work on that. But I have had some press reviews and when articles come out or TV programs, I often get a lot of uh, contact from people, lots of requests, etc. in the weeks afterwards. So families come and they say, oh, would you be interested in this? And um, I think now People are uh, passing the, the the message around, and um, I've actually had some contact with um, retirement homes as well, and I've had some um, donations uh, from people through that. Uh, sorry, I've forgotten your question now, Leila. Sorry, I was just asking that uh, about what you do exactly when you receive photographs. You you want to digitalize them? You 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 keep them? We have different uh, strata, if you like, uh, different types of photographs that we receive as well. People might give us a huge body of work or a huge body of, of photographs and albums, or they might be just very limited. So it depends uh, on the on the particular uh, project that I'm working on. Um, I do make a certain selection. There are a few images I might perhaps discard because it's uh, the same. You know, there are there are two images that are pretty much uh, identical, but I don't actually put very many aside. I tend to keep nearly everything. So when it comes to actually digitalizing these and putting them into the file, writing down the numbers, etc., I try to include all the all the relevant ones, and I I keep them here in an archive process. It's a sort of thesaurus that I've set up. So it's a documentary process. And uh, so that individuals, if they want to actually come into the conservatory and actually um, uh, consult a particular image, uh, they will be able to actually look it up and they'll be able to access the, the image. They might be able to do this descriptively or through a title. 
the idea is to really not only create a space for artists but also for the public i mean artists are very interested in the space and it's probably majority artists but also for the public uh, this leads me to another question i think for both of you now when you work on albums i think the history of a family is not only written in each specific event, but in this accumulation of uh, collections of, of images. So for example, Anne, when you receive a body of photography, there are uh, many, many things that, that might also be interpreted outside of the photographs themselves. How does this interpretive process work? How does it take place for you, Anne? There's something very interesting when I receive images, I think one's really strong emotion for me is that there's a real smell to the albums. It's a sensory thing for me. When I actually smell this scent, I think about what's happened to the photographs, whether or not the albums were within a family home or whether they were in more of a museum setting before they came to me. So I can actually detect the different smells, the smell of a paper, the smell of whether or not it's something that's been stored, um, you know, put away out of sight, or is it something that was very much in the home itself, perhaps in the kitchen, let's say. This is something I find very interesting. I've been very receptive to these smells. There are individuals also who perhaps try to direct the way in which I interpret the photographs. They perhaps give me more information. Other people just kind of don't, don't look at the photographs. They give them to me without really making any kind of comment, without really wanting to go into them. So this is perhaps very interesting in terms of showing the relationship between those who are giving me the photographs and perhaps those who took the photos, those who are in the photos. Um, there are very different contexts at play here. Some individuals come to me with their photos and they actually almost list them for me and they talk about them. I don't necessarily take this in board of some as something that's very interesting to me. Somebody might say, oh, this is my grandma. She was born in X and X place, etc." But for me, this is not really my area. I'm not a genealogist. This is not something that I'm particularly interested in. But they want to give me this information. It's important for them. Carol, have you got anything to add to this idea? Yes, absolutely. For me, when it comes to my own family photographs, I was actually not allowed to sort of go through them and touch them when when I was um, younger. You know, it's something that my, my photographs in my particular family were kind of kept, you know, almost as archives, you know, something we didn't really manipulate or touch. So this is interesting in terms of thinking about whether or not they're very present in the home or not. And, you know, when I try to consider the albums themselves, for me, it's it's interesting in terms of my own context, what I could and couldn't use and uh, have access to. Um, I now, when I actually uh, buy photographs or come across photographs, I keep everything. I don't like discarding, throwing away people's photographs. For me, it's 
it really is a memory of somebody who really existed and I don't feel that it's my role to uh, to throw this away um, I, I try to keep everything we don't take photographs in the same way today as we did in the past this is also very interesting when we talk about archives or family albums we often think about uh, old films and photographs and slides you know photographs that were very much um older style photographs on film and photographic paper what do you think now in terms of digital photography do you consider this as part of your work at the moment the change now in the digital world the way that people take photographs yes i think there are two questions here to answer the most simple of the two, I don't actually accept digital photos at the moment. It's for a very simple issue. When we actually uh, get these images on material, on photographic paper, it really is something tangible. It's something that you can reflect on, you can hold, you can look at, you can display in a different way if it's a digital file and you're printing off a copy i think it's quite a different process i do a lot of indexing work as part of my project and i think at the moment i haven't gone into the digital realm yet when um, people come to me with the photographs, it's more in terms of the actual physical photographs. Um, it's something that I perhaps need to think about. People have actually offered me digital photos. And uh, I think sometimes, you know, people think about the digital photos being perhaps better, better quality or um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. But at the moment, it's, it's very much the physical realm. In terms of digital photography, I haven't really had a response that I've worked on yet. And when when I think about digital photography, I, I don't think there's, there's a, necessarily a huge difference in terms of the uh, the way of taking photos. In I think that the link with the social networks has changed the realm of photography a lot. But in terms of an actual media, digital photography is perhaps the same as as the old style photography not photography for social media but when we're thinking about family photos in that sense i think perhaps the aesthetics are quite similar uh, to how to how we thought about them perhaps uh, 80 years or so ago when i am um, looked at uh, the the website for for this platform there were categories used to define and to also research the different areas how does this work how do you actually categorize the photographs how do you choose how to put photographs into categories um, black and white birthday individuals and their specific poses etc how, how does it work animals <laughs> so first of all of course you look at the elements of the photography it's also part of the selection 
But the idea is really, I am not the one deciding what is significant or not. So I always give a maximum of tools because these images will be shared. So I provide a maximum of entry points so that everyone can then find what they need. So of course, black and white are color. Some people don't like uh, color photos. Some prefer black and white. So it's a really a first level analysis. It's a very simplistic one. And then it's also my personal opinion and also some using some words that are, for example, there's a keyword like beautiful pictures. I mean, it doesn't really mean much, but actually it's helpful to me. Therefore, I think I use it also as a category. I use it in my back office because then in beautiful pictures, there are pictures that are even more beautiful than just beautiful. And that's also my artistic project. And sometimes I categorize them and then I realize that this was a mistake and I go back and change them. And that's very interesting. Like if there is a category, as you know, that is like funny. Um, well, funny is actually very subjective. You know, what can be funny for me is not necessarily funny for you. Carol, um, what about you? What about this uh, choice in the picture? So you don't always uh, use uh, all the pictures in your archives, in your family albums. So do you select some specific moments? Are those moments that you want to specifically explore? So do you know exactly what you want or it's something that uh, comes to you along the way? So when you look at your own personal album, but also when you look at just random pictures. In my personal album, uh, I've, I've done this work for, uh, for the other photos, same thing. But in parallel, I always have like new projects. And that's what I'm fascinated about. I still continue. I have a digital camera like, like everybody, I guess. I use my iPhone all the time. And um, during actually this lockdown period, I think there was a really the time when I was starting to think, what am I going to do with these uh, photos? I actually have the beginning of a new series. Like you start taking photos and slowly compile them. You take a lot of photos. We actually take photos of about everything because your iPhone is now a notepad and we never print them. We never print these photos. So they are somewhere. It's like a type of memory, but we never print these photos. So there will be a whole work, you know, that I'm preparing. So I'm working on it. So all these challenges, I just try to order everything at some point when I'm ready. So does that challenge uh, our relationship, our relationship with photography? You've mentioned now the number of photos. There is a kind of acceleration of the pictures. And you said that we were taking about the same photos before than today. Uh, we're trying to have like beautiful pictures, but we definitely take more pictures and also more pictures of one single moment. So instead of just taking one photo, we're just going to take 10 photos of one a model or one moment. 
So working on the archives, is that the way to kind of be like a resistance, applying a resistance to this change, to this shift in photography? No, not at all. I don't think I'm, I'm made for resisting anything really, but um, I think, I think it's still possible to really, you know, leave and uh, have these same uh, values and sharing. I receive a lot of schools here. So young people using, of course, social media, and I show them albums and old photos. And it's actually not very difficult to make this link and to show them how you can use photography to talk about yourself and talk about your own situation and your ego as an adolescent. It's about the same thing as, you know, when photography started. So very uh, quickly, we kind of forget that uh, there's a lot of ups, but also a lot of downs. And it's the same thing. It's like the 50s or the 60s. We always used photography in that way, more than actually another medium. So it's a tool. And it's a tool that we use, but it's a tool that can be artistic, but it's a tool that we use. It's a utility. It's one of the technologies that is the most useful. I understand that I did not answer to your question. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. I think it's challenging for me too. So that's perfect. And uh, I love your ideas. So this tool, it's also a tool that we use to tell stories, to have a fiction. So it's a work. So you can actually tell different stories with one single photo. You can say a lot with one photo. Carole, is that what you do? So when you use your photography, your artistic side, is that the way you tell a personal story? Or is it just a way to try to be more objective, more fair? I think it's more a way to tell things. So if um, I could write, you know, maybe if I was writing better, I would have been a writer, you know, it's just the way you express things. And I don't think I can use any other medium. And the manipulation is, yes, to readjust the image of the world. And my reality, to some extent, it's not the reality, it's my reality. It is about a representation of, of my world. It's beautiful. It's beautiful representation of your world. What about I? What about you, Anne? So you mentioned that you work with young people, where you were telling these young people to tell a lie through photography. How does that work? Well, it works with everyone actually, not only with the uh, young people, with adults as well. So it is a, a workshop called um, Autobiography with a Lie. It works with like six-year-olds and it works with adults. So they can't select a photo. I'm just giving them a photo. 
And of course, we, uh, we talked prior to that about photography and I explained why this is my work and why I try to archive these photos and uh, why I'm doing that. But then I tell them, lie to you. So you have to use this photography in your own story. And I think there's been like a 600 or 700 texts, I think, written, like writing about this lie. And every single person I've put in that position, everyone came up with something. So this is fascinating. They use this photo and immediately something comes up. So of course, it takes sometimes a little more time. And sometimes it goes to different levels, really. Uh, but still, it's beautiful to think about this lie. And because it's a lie, well, you can add, you can go uh, beyond all the limitations. And that's fascinating to see how children love it. So I think it's, uh, it's very funny also to talk about your imagination here and to include imagination. And that's fantastic to link this imagination with photography. But to lie, it's also funny because it's also the way you look at things. So this project uh, will then uh, be edited. I think there's several books. Yes, absolutely. There's a book called An Autobiography of a Lie. And I think it's about the 258 first text. So here again, I mean, I'm not selecting anything. Every single text uh, that was written in this workshop is included in the book. No selection. So the photos come from your archives. So these are photos that, are not, that have not been archived yet. So it's just like you have my boxes with all the photos and they pick one. So that's uh, quite interesting. This material here is something to touch, something to look. And they leave with this photo. So they leave with the original photo. So I've just um, digitalized the photo. And it's a kind of exchange. I keep the text and they keep the photo. And same thing with Emmanuel Fructus. She's a wonderful lady. We had also a workshop with her here. Because when we have children, I take all the boxes out with all the photos and I, they can pick one. And it's also always very surprising for teachers to realize that these young people, they really love it. They can actually pick a picture of, of, of someone that they have no clue about. They don't know these people. So I think we've got three minutes left. So let me just uh, remind everyone that uh, if you have questions, you have uh, the opportunity to do so. So let me check if we have some uh, questions here. I see some very good comments. Thank you very much. Uh, for me, it's been a pleasure, really, Anne and Carole. I love this discussion. And I just would like to mention something before we uh, conclude. And I don't know if this is really um, a desire to write. Often have like some text, and I see that on your platform in the edition of the book. So writing, is that important for you? Is writing another type of photography? Is writing something that goes along your photography? 
At the very beginning, I started writing to kind of uh, clarify my thoughts, just to give me a direction, to be more specific about the, my topics. And then I started to realize that I was writing something more personal that was entirely part of my work, such as, for example, the impossible expectations that I'm uh, embroidering and uh, some uh, souvenirs, and I create a small book, a small album, and then we place those in boxes. And uh, like, a, like a memory that I keep somewhere. And in a series called I Will Never Forgive You, a book was published. And uh, there I added some more writing because I wanted like old, like, you know, traditional old albums. If you look at those, most people were actually writing something, you know, at the bottom of the page, like a souvenir of a beautiful uh, evening outside in the garden. And I wanted to recreate this atmosphere. Actually, to counterbalance this lie, I made a selection of a different text on a very negative emotions. So I used the keyboard. So the text was, was completely a keyboard that was damaged keyboard. So it was very hard to understand. But I tried to counterbalance this idea of ideal too much like um, preparation. So it was like the obvious kind of the other side of the story. So you've got the photo and then this uh, text, text which is very difficult to read. So both sides of the story. And the fact that you, I worked on this damaged keyboard, well, the souvenir is actually very difficult to read through. We're not sure what it is. And I love to play on uh, these relationship. And I'm also uh, working on other ideas at the moment, on the more literary work. I'm very interested in it. I don't want to limit myself to a medium. So if I want uh, to use one medium, I will do so. And if I want to use another one, that's what I will do. So it's just like another layer, that's all. So it's not only about photography, there's not only photography in my life, I'm also interested in other mediums, so that's what matters really. So it can be photography, it can be writing, ceramics, it can be engraving. I try to be as free as I can. There's an amazing coherency in your work, Carole. It's really interesting to see your new productions each time because there is something uh, very, very manual in terms of what you're producing. We can see it as a writing, but it's uh, something, you know, with, with the embroidery as well. It's uh, it comes together as a sort of drawing process on the photographs, and everything is linked together through this manual work. So, is this something interesting for you and important for you to work with your hands in that way? Yes, yeah, it's it's important for me. It's it 
it's it's hard for me to explain but I come from fashion actually my former uh, career was in the fashion world so I am very much steeped in this world of uh, of couture of, of sewing and, and, and as I said it's linked to the a- idea of the ideal woman as well I'm a woman who's who's sewing it's something that also takes time you know sewing and creating an image in this way is is, is a timely process and, and even when I'm taking a photo with my iPhone I do actually take a lot of time it's something I like to you know really take time over so the notion of time is an important thing for me as well embroidery as I say it's linked to the work of women this idea of stereotypical perfect women and the role of women is something that I like to look into as well and to sort of say something about that um, it's 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 a way of of getting my point across and trying to actually build up a discourse through the tools I have at my disposal, a needle and thread. I hope that's answered the question. Yes, it's perfect. It's a really interesting way of concluding as well. Um, I think subversive is perhaps an interesting word to use here. How can we exist and uh, continue our creative process in a subversive way? And you chose to create your own venue where you appropriated and gathered all these things that came to you through other individuals. And when you put together exhibitions as a curator, you're a sort of mediator, um, looking at these images and the texts. Um, you, you, you write as well, don't you? Write texts for your um, your exhibitions. I'm just trying to see here. I think I actually have have a text. Uh, I put it to one side here, but it's magnificent for Madame Pinmel. So you said, could I read a few lines from it? So the text as a curator that, that you actually put together. So you say this photographic ensemble could have been presented under the title Madame Pimel or Family or Madame Pimel, I love you. And then you put two dot, dot, dot points. Its title is Lumière, Cuisine, Regard et Paysage. So light, kitchen, uh, landscape, and it's a way of looking at an iconographic form, something extraordinary within an ordinary context. This text really is beautiful, so I think it would be something interesting for our listeners to look at on the platform. Um, I'd like to conclude, I think, with that, if there are no further questions. Um, I'd like to thank you once again, Carol and Anne. We really can feel your passion coming through. It was a great pleasure for me to converse with you. I hope next time we can do this face-to-face. Thanks very much for the invitation. It was a real pleasure for me to be part of this conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'd like to also thank the organization team from 154 for giving me the opportunity to lead this conversation thank the forum, particularly Olivia Peterson, for her support. I'd like to also invite you, um, in the name of my team, um, Le Dizuit, uh, for our next uh, forum in, in February. And uh, 
until then, I wish you a good night and uh, please remain yeah, undisciplined. <laughs> <laughs>